0: Hey everybody, welcome to New Life, glad to have you guys here with us, glad to have you with us, yeah, yeah, come on, let's give it up. You know who we're clapping for right now? We're clapping for each other that we made it, but we're also clapping for all the guests that are here today. And so I just want to welcome everybody uh, at New Life Church. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Jeff. I have the unique privilege of being one of the pastors on staff. Uh, I serve in the lead pastor role, uh, but we have an incredible team of people that are just amazing here at our church. And so uh, I would encourage you, if you, uh, if you haven't met some of our other pastors, please Take time to meet uh, Dave if you're at our North Platte campus right now. Stick around afterwards and shake his hand. Uh, If you're here at our Kearney campus, then uh, stick around and uh, meet us, all right? And you'll be told more about those opportunities at the end of the service as well. Uh, But look, we're in the middle of a teaching series, and I've got a lot to cover. So we've just got to jump into this thing. How many of you guys have been here for the last couple of weeks of our flight series? All right, right on. It's just a real fun way of taking one occupation and one passion, and showing you how many of the the details of it can actually be correlated to scripture and to God's word. And I want I'm doing that. Uh, I'm doing that for a few reasons. One, I'm, I'm using it kind of as a lens to look at God's word through. But I'm also wanting to encourage you to take what you do that God's given you a passion for, and what you do in an occupation with your, with your own hands, and to also be looking at God's word for how many of the principles that you do have to fit into God's word so that work becomes worship. Passion becomes worship, so that worship isn't just something that's siloed to Sunday or just siloed to a moment when you spend with God in his word or with prayer, but it becomes a part of your every day. So in aviation, which is a passion of mine, um, aviation's full of acronyms and statements that are used to help you memorize really important life-saving, right, life-or-death moments. Uh, let me just give you a couple of them, all right? Uh, and, every, and every occupation has these types of things. Aviation just happens to be full of them. So one of them is this, uh, west is best, east is least, okay? Now here's why that's so important. Uh, flying to the west, you need to be on an even number, okay? So 2,000, 4,000, 6,000, 8,000, right, 22,000 feet. Flying to the east, you need to be on an odd number. So if you've always, if you ever wondered to yourself, like, how do airplanes not crash in the sky? It's because when you're flying east, you're flying odd numbers. When you're flying west, you're flying even numbers. How important is that to remember? (laughs) Really important, all right? Here's another one. Uh, When you're getting ready to land your aircraft, okay, Uh, one of the statements that they'll train you in, and there's a number of them, but one of the more popular ones is called L-Gumps. Everyone say that with me. L-Gumps. L-Gumps, right. Uh, When I first heard it, I thought, this sounds really weird. Like, how does this ever fit? But it, it's an acronym, basically. L-GUMPS, and it teaches you to start training yourself to think through what it, it's required to land. So, L lights, G you know, gas is the selector on both right or the left tank. Um, U undercarriage, you know, is the are the wheels down or are the wheels up? That's really important. The mixture. Do we go full rich? Prop. Constant speed prop. The props, they kind of turn. Are they set correctly? And then S, last but not least, do we have our seat belts on? So, L-gumps, right, when you're coming in. Another thing that when you're, when you're coming into land, to make sure that the glide slope is correct, because in, in some runways, there might be like a large tree at the end of the runway, there could be power lines at the end of the runway, and so you have this glide slope that you need to come into every runway with, and so a lot of runways will have these things called vassies and pappies, yep, vassies and pappies, and they're little lights that sit, well, they're actually big lights, that sit next to the edge of the runway, and they're, they're white, and they're red, okay? So here's the statement, white over white, fly all night. It means you're just gonna miss the runway. Red over red, you're dead. (laughs) I made a big mistake early on in in flying with my wife that I taught her that statement, but I didn't really connect it to how it all fit. And so all the time we're flying, she's wondering, I see a couple of lights on the dashboard red over red, are we dead? (laughs) And I'm like, no, honey, no. Let me, let me teach you, like, when you're landing, you see these lights, and then it's white over red is perfect. White over white, fly all night, red over red, we're too low, we need to bring it up. So anyways, we have a lot of these things, but the number one, like, the, the biggest one of them all is aviate, navigate, communicate. Say that with me. Aviate, navigate, communicate. You're, you're that much closer to being a private pilot. <laughs> so. It doesn't matter whether it's the most beautiful day and there's no winds and there's no clouds. You still have to aviate. You still got to fly the plane. You still got to navigate. You got to know where you're at. And you have to communicate, okay, with ATC or with other aircraft. The same thing holds true if your engine goes out at 5,500 feet, which you're at 5,500 feet, you're flying east or west? East, because east is? See how fat? What? (laughs) East is odd. That's what I just heard someone say. East is least. All right. All right, so you're flying at 5,500 feet and your engine goes out and you only have one engine, what do you do? You don't, you don't deviate from aviate, navigate, communicate to, you know, uh, freak out. Like that's not one of the, that's not one of the words, all right? Um, it's not that. It's not jump with your parachute. It's you still have to fly the plane. You still got to know where you're at. You still got to communicate. So when I was preparing for this series, I think I told you guys, I pulled together some of the active pilots. We got a number of pilots in our church, actually. You might be surprised who they are that, you know, achieved a pilot's license someplace in their life. But I pulled together some active pilots and I said, guys, let's let's look at God's word and compare it to all these features and you know acronyms and statements and principles of flying, and let's weave it all together so that I can teach a, a, a sermon series on it. And so they went to town on it. And one of those guys I want to invite out here right now, he's going to help us understand uh, where we're going to go this week. So would you give it up for one of your very own, Carrie Merklin? Come on, give it up for Carrie. Right on, dude. How you right doing? On. You got your mic on? I got it on. Okay, awesome. Well, have a seat. <clears throat> have a seat. So, uh, Carrie, you are a, uh, you're a professional pilot, and um, you actually retired from the Coast Guard. How long were you in the Coast Guard? How long did you fly in the Coast Guard, right? And what kind of airplane did you fly?
1: I was in the Coast Guard for uh, 24 years. I flew for 14 of those. And this was my airplane, the mighty C-130.
0: Come on. That's good stuff right there. I like it. Yeah. So when I, was in the, when I was in the Air Force and I was in that combat communications unit and did special ops for SAC, one of the things that we would fly in all the time is a C-130. Uh, I fell in love with the C-130. It, it's, an, it's an incredible, incredible aircraft. And this is actually you flying, and I believe these are mountains probably
1: yes, in Alaska. that's taking off out of Kodiak, Alaska.
0: Kodiak, Alaska. So Kodiak, Alaska. I, what I thought I would do really quick is, uh, for the, those of you who don't know uh, Kodiak, Kodiak sits on an island. If you were to like Google Earth it, um, it would look like this. Now, I pulled this up on my, um, my um, flight computer, which is my iPad as well. Um, and it is an electronic you know, flight book, so this has all my maps in it, uh, and, and nav aids, and navigation tools and that kind of stuff. So if you pulled it up on Google Earth, this is what you would see. But when Carrie and I, when we fly, we use what's called a, a sectional map or a sectional chart. And so Kodiak kind of looks like this, um, not as beautiful on, on a sectional map. But it tells you some really important things, like what's the frequencies, the dial in, right. um, what are the heights of those mountains Correct. so that you don't go running into them. Very important. Like, you know, where you can fly and where you can't fly. Um, but when you would fly into Kodiak, because you're a commercial pilot, right, I'm just a private pilot, Correct. you're a commercial pilot, and yeah. you would fly in with just instruments, not just what you could see with your own two eyes, you would have to use another thing called an approach plate. And so we got an approach plate here. Does that bring back any memories? Yes. Okay. All right. (laughs) That's familiar to you?
1: That's very familiar. Because
0: that looks like something we would find on like a pyramid in Egypt to us. (laughs) All right. So uh, that looks familiar to you. I'm glad that looks familiar to you. Um, So to actually like do this, you you need some special instruments. That's correct. All right. So last week, if you guys remember, last week I talked about the six pack and that I have a six pack and that you can have a six pack too. And we weren't talking about a six-pack of beer. We were talking about <laughs> you know, like, the spiritual six-pack. But in the aircraft, there are these instruments. And if you remember them, there was an airspeed indicator, uh, an attitude indicator, an altitude indicator, a turn coordinator. <clears throat> there is a you know directional gyro or a heading indicator. And then there's a vertical speed indicator. Well, to shoot this approach, which the layman's term is to land the airplane. Right. right, You have to have another instrument, and that instrument is called a CDI, which that's is correct. a what? The CDI.
1: Yes, that's this instrument right here. It it basically tells you where you are in time and space based off of VOR, and that is our nav aids that we fly on. So, C- so this is a course deviation indicator is what it's what CDI stands for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about like the, the ring and you know, the, we got these two identifiers here in the middle.
1: So basically it's just like a compass. Zero is north, 180 south, zeros east and west 270. So you take this knob and you can just spin it around to whatever course you want to be flying. So you have this nav aid and if you want to fly directly at it from the south, you would set
0: so you would dial this you and turn dial 180 up there? Up there.
1: Right. So as it sets right now, you would be going directly north at whatever nav aid that you're going to. So if you wanted to go to Carney's nav aid, you would dial in 000 and go directly at it.
0: Okay. So we're going to, we're going to learn how important this is to shoot that approach. That's, yes. Um, and to land this aircraft, which could happen in really in any commercial aircraft as well. Um, so, if you've flown lately, like flight 237 from Denver to San Francisco, um, you know, in the plane, although they, they use a lot of other more updated instruments, these are the more analog style, but this kind of approach could still be used. That approach plate could be used. This kind of a tool instrument could still be used. That's correct. And then there, you told me in our meeting that there were five words, okay? Five words. And as soon as he said, look, there's five words that are important, a pastor like listens really quickly and then he said all five words start with a t and i'm like that's going to make a great sermon <laughs> right and he right. said every pilot when they're when they're going to fly by instruments and they're going to shoot right. that approach they're going to land in kodiak has to think about these five words so i'm going to throw them on a the screen really okay. quick the words are time turn throttle twist and then talk okay those five words with that instrument are what it's going to take so here's what I wanna do for everybody in this room. Let's go back to the approach plate, but let's zoom in on it a little bit, all right? And so it, let's just make it hypothetical. If okay. you were flying from the north, right, Right. and you wanted to land at this airport, which this is the airport here, uh-huh. and the air traffic controller told you to fly over this little pyramid in the sky, right, right called Wabak, right. how would you use the CDI and how would you use those five words to make this a safe landing?
1: Okay, well, first of all, to define where Walbach is you have to tune in the VOR which is located at Kodiak and that's this guy right here in the middle so its frequency is 117.1 so you dial that in so Walbach is located 10 miles away from this VOR on the 019 radial so that's i would twist that into the 019 radial which is basically north north is 000 and when I come and when I hit 10 miles from that on the 019, I know I'm at Waback. So that's the first and most important part, is getting there. Sure. So what we do is we check the time, and uh, you wanna you wanna hit your clock because it's very important, especially from this point on, you have to time it, because this it gives you how many miles away you are from the airport, and if you lose that, your timing is a backup. So if you're going two miles a minute, you know that to go miles, it should take you a minute and 33 seconds. That's how we back each other up. So that's why timing is so important in this part of it. Okay. Um, Turn. Obviously, if you go straight in here, these black lines, these bold black lines are the only places that you're safe, that the FAA has established that you will be safe at these altitudes. So it says 1,600 feet, so you have to be at 1,600 feet flying on this line. If you go below that you might hit a mountain um if you go off these lines you might hit mountains power poles whatever this Kay. is all ocean so there's not a lot here right. in kodiak but anyway that's that's why these are important so we did the timing now we're going to turn we're going to turn along this arc
0: and we Time, got the
1: throttle turn throttles so when when they clear you they know these mountains are at three thousand feet and you have to be two thousand feet above the the mountains for safety. So you come in at 5,000 feet and the throttles is, you gotta get down to 1,600. So we pull the power back, we go from 5,000 down to 1,600 feet as we're on this line. Okay. So time, so turn, throttles, and then twist. Twist, right. So twist is, twist you have to identify this line here. And that line is identified by the 237 which is almost west, 270 is west. We're landing on 26, so that makes sense. So 237 kind of brings us into an angle at the runway, but that's gonna get us to the runway. So we dial that in on our CDI, our course deviation indicator.
0: Right, so that device that was up here, we turn that little knob We turn that to 237,
1: and all that tells us is if we're on the 237, obviously we need to turn on it, but it's gonna tell us if you're drifting a little bit left or right of that. And that needle will move left or right. And you want to keep it uh, right in the center as you're flying down.
0: Right. So you can't see a thing. You could be in the clouds. You're watching that instrument and you're watching that needle. You're keeping it right on the center. And if it's drifting one way or the other, you're making a course correction so that when you pop out of the clouds, you don't pop out right into a mountain. Right. Yeah. That's important. That's important, Terry.
1: Very, very important. That's,
0: That's kind of important a little. So,
1: and then the last one is talking and you always have to tell the controller, uh, where you're at and what you're doing. Because they don't have a lot of radar coverage in Alaska, so they expect you to be at certain points. So if you tell them you're here, you'll say you're over the VOR at 1,600. And in that way, they can clear you onto the common common radio frequency for that airport. So you can talk. If there's anybody else in that area, you can talk to them and coordinate so you don't run into each other.
0: Okay, so we're gonna bring reality to this really, really quick. Okay. All right, so let's go away from this. Let's go to something that we can all understand. An actual picture of the Kodiak Airport. That's correct. All right, and we were lined up coming into this runway here. That's right? correct. Okay, yep. so at the end of that runway, doesn't look too good. No. Right, so let's, let's get a little closer in. Short of the runway. Short of that runway doesn't look good either. Yeah. So short, you're in the water. Long, you just became a permanent statue.
1: That's correct. Okay. <laughs> So you're either swimming or you're a mountain goat, and neither one of them are very good. So the (laughs)
0: five. So the five, those five words and that one instrument are critical.
1: Very critical.
0: So last but not least, before we let you go, all right, because you got multiple years flying in some crazy weather, right? Right. Did you ever have a life or death situation where those five, those five T's and that CDI? They saved your, let's just use the word bacon, um, yes. fly, flying in to this kind of a runway. Right.
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah. People on the coast call them hurricanes. We, in Alaska, they call that a Tuesday. A Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. the, weather, the weather is always bad. When, when the Coast Guard is flying, we always get called out on the worst day possible. And... Uh, Uh, There's so many villages up there that don't have medical care and stuff like that. So a lot of our, a lot of our, a lot of my missions were search and rescue or uh, medevacs. And when the medevac people were going, heck no, we're not going out there. The weather's too bad. I get the call. So I have to go get them. Uh, One, one uh, particular time we had to go out to Cold Bay, which if you guys don't know, that is like 500 miles out on the Aleutian chain. And so uh, a, a lady there was having a difficult time uh, in labor, and they don't have any medical facility there. So we had to go there, you know, quickly and get her and pick her up, and the whole state of Alaska was just being slammed by uh, really low IFR flights, which, which means that... Uh, You know, the ceiling, when the clouds are so low, it's like fog, but with really low clouds and uh, really bad winds and really bad rain. Anyway, we got out there, we picked her up. We couldn't get into Anchorage. We couldn't get into anywhere else except uh, Kodiak was our last chance. And uh, if I hadn't done those uh, six T's, I did lose the DME coming in on that. So when I said that I had to back it up with timing, because if you go too far, this is what meets you when you go too far, and you can't see any of this. You're, you have blinders on. Yeah. So, uh, so I. So you did able the fi- you
0: did the five Ts I and you came the- back to time because it was right. only time over distance that that allowed you to land on. That this. allowed
1: the time. Yeah. So the five Ts plus I added an extra there in the end, <laughs> but. Uh, but anyway, I ended up breaking out at 100, 100 feet over the water and was able to land safely and get her the medical care that she needed.
0: That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, we thank you for uh, serving the Coast Guard. We thank you for serving our church by sharing Absolutely. these kind of things with us as well, man.
1: Absolutely.
0: Thanks, for Thanks dude. <laughs> you don't get to talk to, like, Coast Guard guys, you know, very often. But, man, there's... the. Some of the other stories he's told, just hearing them make you queasy on the inside. But we're not here, again, to make you into a a private pilot. We're here to make you into a Christ-centered follower that can fulfill Isaiah 40 that we talked about in our week one, which was this, that God's caused you or he's made you, he's purposed you to be a believer that soars like on the wings of eagles. And so what does that really look like? That means that you and me, we also have five T's that are life or death. Five T's that are life or death. Here we go, you ready? First one's time. Goes right back to uh, the same thing with flying. That's our most valuable resource that we have. you can lose a lot of things in life, but you can never regain those 15 minutes that we just sat there listening to Carrie and myself go through. You can't, you cannot regain that. So you can get back a lot of things, but you can't get back time. In fact, time in our society, if you guys, you, many of you probably agree with me, time has become more valuable than even money, right? Because money, money can maybe get you a, a lot of things, but you can never get back the minute that we just went through. And, and so time is valuable. And where you invest your time, it tells you a lot about what you prioritize. Jesus said it this way in John 17:4. He says that... Uh, Look, he's praying to the Father, I I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Meaning, I maximized every minute that you gave me, so then therefore I have completed what you've called me to do. Our number one goal in this life is this, to complete the work that God gave us. That's our big goal. And that means that we have to manage our time right. you got to use your time right. Why? Because your time is life or death. It's life or death whether you're going to accomplish God's mission for your life or is this going to be your mission for your life. So in light of that, I've got a few things that I thought might be very practical for you to consider, to evaluate. Just like Kerry was talking about, like he started with time over the point, but then he was calculating time from that point to the next one. That's the only way he knew he could drop safely below the clouds and not run into that mountain. Or crash into the ocean while he's watching his altimeter, you know, go, and down to 100 feet. And he's getting, like, that moment where he's almost going to have to pull it back up. And we can't land here either, guys. There's going to have to be a massive go-around. So for your time, there's things you have to evaluate. And just consider these three things. Consider evaluating on a regular basis your time with God. Your time with God. Also consider evaluating your time with people, which would include your immediate family right? But also consider evaluating time serving God's agenda. So let me really quickly, time with God. You can be around God, but not be with him. Just like you can be around people, but not be with them. It's unfortunate in today's society, but many of us are around people, but we're not with them because we're on our, we're on our phone. And Families are doing that in their living rooms. They're doing that at the dining room table. And, the, and couples are doing it at restaurants, Like, we're around people, but we're not with them. And I just want to confess to you today that if I can say that there's something that God's challenging me with in my personal life, and that's this. Jeff, you're around me, but you're not with me. And I want you to be with me more than just around me. And so, guys, if God's challenging me with that, I guarantee he's challenging you with that as well. But then time with people. Make sure that you're not just around your family, but you're with them. That you're not just around your spouse. You want to have the number one antidote for, you know, having that healthy marriage? Don't just be around your spouse, be with them. That will be a radical transformation. But then time serving God's agenda. We, We easily serve our agenda. And then when God's agenda comes around, here's one of the things that we hear as pastors a lot. I just don't have time for that. I don't have enough time can I just be lovingly straight with you? I think that that's probably true for a small percentage of of people, but for the majority of us, it's just a prioritizing of our time. It's what we've decided to prioritize our time with is the reason why we may not have enough time to serve God's agenda, because all of our time is being used to serve our agenda. So just say no to the time-stealing activities, behaviors, and habits that you might find yourself in so that you can find joy in saying yes to the things that bring honor and glory to God, to your spouse, and also even to your family. So time, time is one of those life or death things that we have to stay focused on if we're gonna, be a, we're gonna you know, really thrive, we're gonna soar on wings of, like eagles in this Christ-centered journey that we're on. The second T, though, is talent. Everybody has a gift to share is one of our core values here. In Ephesians 2.10, it says these words, For we, w- we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God has prepared in advance for every single one of you something significant for you to follow and to accomplish. Nobody's left out. Everybody that's hearing my voice today in North Platte, Kearney, and online, You were created by God, by his own hands, to do something that would advance his kingdom. Here's good news. God's not a thief, so God hasn't withheld a gift from you. But God's given you something that he wants you to do that will advance his kingdom. Now, your talent right now, okay, in that T word, your talent, it might be undiscovered right now, or it might be underdeveloped, or it might seem insignificant to you. All right, that was all three of those things might be true. So if your talent is undiscovered, okay, like means that you're sitting here and you're like, I don't even know what that talent would be. All right, then you'll, you'll discover your talent, your true talent by jumping in and serving with the attitude of exploration. If you'll just jump into ministry and you'll say, God, I'll serve with an attitude of just, I'm going to go on a discover discovery journey, right? You might say something like this, like, I'm going to stay on this discovery journey until I find the place I sense God's designed specifically for me. Because that's what it's going to take. If it's undiscovered, you got to jump in and start serving to find out what it is that maybe God really has purpose for your life. And you might go through one, two, and three different ministries over the course of one, two, or three years to really find that. But when you do, you're going to discover a lot of joy. Kind of like settlers as they moved west, you know, across the plains and through the mountains. And they, they stopped and they stayed at different places, whether it was St. Louis or it's Kearney, you know, or it was Cheyenne or it was someplace up in the mountains. They stopped because it was like, this reminded me of home or, you know, this felt, I feel content right here in this particular place. And they found that place that they, said they felt like it was designed for them. And they put their stakes down and they started working the land was undiscovered until they put their stakes down. Now if, if your, maybe your talent is underdeveloped, then here's my encouragement to you. Jump in with the attitude of worship to God. Jump into ministry. Like, God, I'm just going to worship you, right? I'm going to do, you might say something like this, like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to take my gift and make it better or to cause it to grow to bring glory and honor to your name. Like, I want my entire life to be served you know, doing something that advances your kingdom. And if it's underdeveloped, look at it as worship and jump in. If your talent seems insignificant, right, it might seem like, ah, it doesn't really matter. Like, I don't think I got really anything really to offer. I do these few things. Like, I got a passion for these few things. But just remember this. Many hands make the load light. And we need you. Just like that old poster from World War I and World War II where Uncle Sam's pointing his finger from the Army and going, we need you. I just want to tell you right now, I need you. And I want you to think with me for a second, what would our church look like if every single person hearing my voice today was using their talent as a part of a ministry team here at our church? It would be incredible. Unstoppable church meeting the needs of, you know, of those who walk in our doors and meeting the the incredible needs of those who have never walked through our doors. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your bulletin because on your bulletin is an opportunity for you to serve. And I want you to follow the instructions on that bulletin. I want every single one of you to consider this week going to mynewlifechurch.com serving and filling out our serving application and jump in and start using your talent for God's glory. The third one is testimony. The, your testimony is constantly being written. Every decision that you make is adding to it. It started with your life before Christ. It used the intersection of your life with the cross of Christ. And now everything that is happening is being added to it in an after Christ perspective. But every single one of you has a testimony. It's life or death and it's powerful. It doesn't matter what your testimony is. Right, your testimony could be, I was around church all my life and I stayed faithful to God. It's a powerful testimony that somebody needs to hear. Your testimony is like a key that unlocks a lock. But what if you had your testimony, your key, and you had 100 locks? How would you know which key your, your testimony, which, which lock it unlocked? Like, how would you know it? Like the only way you would know it is if you took the key and you stuck it in the lock one and you turned it. Okay, not that one, lock two, lock three, lock four. You get the lock 45 and all of a sudden you turn it and click and it works. That's your testimony in this world. Your testimony is a key that's going to unlock someone's spiritual journey. If you'll tell your testimony, it's that powerful. Now you might go, well, I've shared, my, I've shared my story with a few people. It didn't seem like it made that much difference. You just haven't found the right the right lock yet. But God designed you like a key that when it's shared, it will unlock someone's heart. My testimony will only unlock certain people's hearts your testimony will unlock others and when we all work together and we use our testimony like a key it unlocks the hearts of many people so your testimony is so powerful that it has to be guarded though because the enemy knows how powerful your testimony is he's going to do everything in his authority to try to rip it out of your hands and to steal it from you he's going to make you think that it's insignificant he's going to make you look at your life right now and some of the decisions that you make that don't line up with god and say your testimony is not even worth sharing He knows how powerful it is. In fact, I would say this, Satan knows more about the power of your testimony than even you know right now. So to motivate you to protect your testimony and also to share it with people, I, Jeff Baker, have written you a poem. Yeah. And I entitled it very purposefully this week, The Power of Tea. The Power of Tea. Since all the words we're using are T words, my poem will also use many T words, some of which um, will be new to you. (laughs) Others will be T words you have in your mind that I didn't use. I'm totally open to you emailing me afterwards feedback on my poem for you. I would love to hear some of your additional T words that maybe should be added. So on that note, this is to inspire you to protect and to share your testimony. Be mindful of the tempting from our enemy, or it will tarnish your testimony. However, tenacity will benefit your testimony and cause it to thrive with a temperament that is true. If you will spend time in the temple of God near his throne, you will learn to trust him more and more. Let your heart burn like a torch for God, not small like a tamed twinkle that could be covered by a thimble. That's pretty good. I was just gonna say. It, it only gets it only gets better from here, though. Um, <laughs> take hold of the strength given through the Holy Spirit. It's like a tugboat with torque that can move things bigger than you can think of. Twist turn or trample on the temptation the enemy tosses before you and telegraph to the world the truth of Jesus with your talent, talk, and time. Telling your story is a tremendous way of tethering yourself to Christ while thawing the heart of those who have traveled far from God. The telltale sign of the believer is heard in their testimony and when the truth is told of how god tore through their walls it will tear through the terrible torturing trap the enemy has tried to tell since the beginning of time so thank the lord for thwarting his plan and for the transformation brought through the transporting of jesus to this world this truth has been put on trial and been found to be trustworthy don't trade it for anything But treat it like a treasure, and take it with you everywhere, the end." Come on. You're supposed to do this. I can tell you guys haven't been to any, you know, poem coffee shop things. Truth be told, I've never been to one. So that might be the first poem I've ever written. I'm not really sure it qualifies as a poem, but I don't really care because this is my sermon. See what I'm saying? But I did all of that just to have a fun moment to remind you, though, that your testimony has to be shared. It's life or death for somebody, and that's what Revelation 12:11 tells us. It says that your testimony, when shared from a Christ-centered perspective, it conquers the enemy. It collapses his plan. So the last two, tithe. We believe here at our church that you cannot outgive God. And we want to encourage you to honor god with your tithe because where your money goes it tells us a lot about where your heart is at that means it tells you and jesus said this when he was talking about money because you cannot serve two masters so he used this scripture in luke 16 he said no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and you'll love the other you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other what was he talking about you cannot serve both god and money you can't have two masters you can't be thriving you know after after money and thrive after god so at new life here's what we believe it all belongs to god hundred percent belongs to god so we give god the first 10 percent and not out of not out of like obligation but you know more out of worship we give it to him because it belonged to him so we give that back to him and then the 90 percent we manage and let me just say this to you if you will trust god with the first 10 percent this is a concrete statement. It comes straight from God's word. God will help you manage the other 90% better than you could have managed the 100%. Amen. That's what will happen every single time. And I'm not trying to get your money. I'm not trying to get it for our church. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm trying to drive home with this, this word, why tithe is life or death. It's because I want you to live a blessed life. I want you to live a blessed life. Here's what here's 2 what Corinthians has to say about that blessed life. It says, remember this farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a what? Small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response, you know, to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share it with. Others. It's miraculous. It's like the more you honor God with your finances, the more he blesses you. The more you invest into God's kingdom, the more he, he uses you to be a part of his blessing. Like It's life or death. God, God's saying it's life or death for you, and when you give, it's life or death as it gets invested into his kingdom to bless others. So tithe. It's a life or death, T. And the last one is talk, just like the flight. We believe that here at New Life that seekers find God. So talking to God is life or death for a Christ-centered journey. And the more you talk to God every single day, the more your heart turns towards him, the more you wanna follow him. In fact, Paul even encouraged us to do one thing. He said, I'm gonna take it to another level. Talk to God without ceasing. He actually said it this way in 1 Thessalonians. Always be joyful. Never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It's like he gave us many things to pray to God with. He goes, be thankful, thank God for a lot of things. Be joyful, you can be joyful about all kinds of things. But it's basically talking to God, and you guys understand, right, talking is not just a one way thing, talking is a both and, it goes back and forth. So make God a normal part of your daily conversation, which by the way, Can you ever talk to God too much? No, of course not. You can never talk to God too much. So these five T's are life and death for your spiritual journey. Just like those five T's are life or death for every flight you get on commercially, or the flight that you may have taken, you know, with Carrie if you were that sick child. Those five T's saved her life. These five T's lived out in your life. They're going to save your life and they're going to save someone else's life. So here's the big thing I want you to do in this response time today. Ask God during this response time, where is he working at in your life? And then just ask him, God, how can I join you? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the story that we heard from Carrie. That's, uh, that's inspiring. It, uh, it reminds us that there are people on this earth that are willing to risk their lives to save others, just like you gave up your life to save us. Lord, these five T's, we, we may have had fun with them today, but uh, they're, they're critical for our life. And it's like, we, we can't just settle for four of them or two of them. That's like, we need all of them at work in our life. And so, Lord, for those that this message stood out to them, but they weren't unable to take notes, I, I pray you would remind them to go back and listen to this message again online. And just let it soak into their spirit so, Lord, that we could be the Christ-centered followers that you called us to be, so that we could accomplish what you put us here on this earth. May we use our time, talent, our testimony. May May we use our talk before you. May we use all of those things, our tithe to you. May we use them to bring you glory and to bring you honor so that we could thrive in your presence and others to be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen.